0: Entertainment.
1: Hi, this is Doug Peterson, and you're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave Spadaro.
2: Hello, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro here as the Eagles get ready for the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff, Lincoln Financial Field, the Santander... Legend of the week, the great Lito Shepard, Eagles cornerback. Should be a nice day for football. This, of course, originally scheduled for Sunday night football. Flexed out, 1 o'clock kickoff. And you'd think that would be an advantage for the Eagles. Not really the case. In their last 20 games, played at 10 o'clock West Coast time, 1 o'clock on the East Coast. The Seahawks are 14-6. and 6. And that includes wins this year against Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Atlanta. So, Nothing new for the Seahawks, who will come into Philadelphia later on Friday and get ready for this kickoff. Eagles need to play a great football game to win it, so how will they win it? We'll explore that very question with the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, in just a bit. We'll also go behind enemy lines and talk to John Boyle, Seahawks.com reporter, who will talk about the 8-2 and two Seahawks. But first... Let's get you caught up with some of the news of the week, and I know it's not necessarily a huge deal for you, but the Eagles signing long snapper Rick Lovato to a four-year contract extension. And it extends a run of excellence for the Eagles at that position. Mike Bartram in 2000, followed by John Doerenbos, followed by Rick Lovato. 20 seasons of outstanding play At the long snapper position. We'll get into it with Lovato right here. A great story flipping pizzas, making subs, we call them hoagies, just four years ago. Now he's got a contract extension for four more years. He is a very happy man. Rick Lovato joins us on the Eagles Insider podcast. Rick Lovato of the new four year contract. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, the, the smile is genuine, is it not? Is it, it, is it, you're, it's a dream come true. It is
3: pure, yes, absolutely. It's a dream come true. Been working for this for a long time now, and I can finally say that I have a home here in Philadelphia.
2: Why success for you?
3: You know, it's. You know, this is everything to me. This is what I've been working for. I was tired of working at a sub shop uh, when I was a free agent. You know, football is everything to me, and long sapping is everything to me. This is my passion, so I want to do this for a very long time.
2: Let's talk about the sub shop. I mean, legitimately 40-hour-a-week
3: kind of guy? No, not that many hours, okay. but, uh, you know, I was I was working decent amount of hours. I was there for at least 25 to 30 a week, uh, you know, while I was a free agent and working out every, every night after I was done working. Um, so yeah, I just had to do best of both, both worlds of, you know, making subs and snapping football. So
2: the last time you made a pie or a, or a sub was four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago now, Rick, you can appreciate then the, the, you know, the journey it's, it's not easy to get to the NFL one. And then it's even harder to stay, isn't it?
3: Absolutely. Why is that? You know, at our position, we're so tenured, uh, it's hard to find the right you know, the right team at the right time, you know, you have to come in at the time that that team is looking for another long snapper uh, to come in and, you know, fill that, fill that spot. And luckily with Philly, that, that was, this was the team. And I had to go and take advantage of that opportunity because I needed to prove to them that I was good enough to, you know, come here and play for a long period of
2: time. How precise is the, is the profession? I mean, how, what separates a, a good long snapper from a Great long snapper from a long snapper who doesn't make it in the NFL.
3: You know, uh, accuracy, blocking, coverage, um, your athleticism overall. There's those things are huge when it comes to and how you handle pressure as well. If you can play in big games and have clean snaps, those are all factors that come into play when you're talking about long snapping.
2: Which was the most difficult for you to? Which of those components? The long snap, the blocking running down the field and covering the kick. Which of those came last for you? Uh, you know,
3: blocking was the biggest thing. I think that's the biggest thing for every college kid that uh, can't get into the NFL is because no one's used to doing it. They snap the ball in these spread punt formations in college and then run straight downfield towards the returner. They're not, they don't have any responsibilities to block anyone. Whereas in the NFL, there's scheme rushes. There's always guys trying to take you out and then go rush the punt. So that's something that's... Not seen a lot in, in college, so it's hard to really train for it when you're not used to it at all.
2: How do you learn to block? What, what, what do you? Is it's, it with FIP? Is it with Stoutland? How do you learn to block? With uh, you know just
3: experience. Um, with FIP, you know he, he's going to run the hardest scheme rushes against against you to see if you can pick those up, uh, and that's the biggest thing. You have to be able to. You know, learn and process it. You have to watch film and make sure that you, you know what's coming before it happens. Because if everything's coming at you all at once, you're gonna, you know, take the wrong man or you know, step the wrong way, and a guy goes right by you, and that's a block punt, and then that's another reason why you can get kicked out of the NFL.
2: Rick, how did this whole thing happen? Did did Howard Roseman call your agent, and your agent called you and said, "Rick, I want to make sure you're sitting down here."
3: Oh yeah, that's ex- literally exactly what happened. Uh, I was absolutely thrilled when i heard that they wanted to offer me a contract extension uh you know it's it was a dream come true like i had said
2: and and is it a negotiation back and forth is it i mean and then you're signing and you're going oh my gosh i'm like i've made it in the nfl
3: (laughs) yeah it was it was a negotiation back and forth uh you know just trying to get the terms and everything right for both parties and then once I, you know, sat in that room and saw my picture and everything against the wall and signed that piece of paper and took those pictures, you know, it felt real. I, had, I was cheesing pretty hard in that picture, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, and, sure and my was. eyes were super squinty, but, you know, that's you know that was pure happiness when I was finally done signing that. From
2: a, from, fans can relate to a guy like you. They, they may not be able to relate to a Carson or players who are making $10 million, whatever, mm-hmm. a year. How much financial freedom does it allow you as a young married guy? You have a family? No, not married yet, but oh, you're not married? You okay.
3: know, maybe soon. We'll okay, see. Okay, okay. <laughs>
2: uh do, do you have like a do you have a a, a sense of like, you know, I I can do a few things here now. Yeah, absolutely.
3: I I want to put roots down. I'm a Jersey guy. I'm from Middletown, New Jersey, which is only about an hour away from here. But uh, I'd like to call the Philly area uh, my home. You know, I want to buy a house. I want to get a dog and, you know, have my own backyard and, and, you know, call this place home for at least the next four years.
2: That's very cool. All right, let's talk about Seattle real quick. Give me the scouting report on their return game.
3: (laughs) You know, lockdown, Tyler Lockett. You know, we do not want him. I know there's things about him maybe playing, maybe not playing, but. Uh, we need to you know, cover the, cover the kicks. You know, that's the biggest thing. He's a speedy returner and can make things happen, and he has throughout his career, so we have to stop that from happening.
2: Last Sunday, the win. Does it bother you? Does it affect you
3: at all? It affects my snaps a little bit, uh, not so much on field goal but on punts because that's a longer snap. The, the ball may travel a little bit differently. Uh, but, yeah, that, that can
2: affect all three of us. I want everybody to know on home games, Rick Lovato is the player... I probably see the most on the (laughs) sidelines because he's always bending over and practicing a snap to Cam. Like you, how many would you say you do a game? Oh, geez,
3: maybe – Close to 65, 70 snaps. Just just practicing oh, rather than you on know, the sidelines on during the, sidelines. the course of yeah. the game. Yeah. <laughs> during the course of the game, just getting ready for that you know, that one or two punts that we're out there for, or a couple field goals, depending on what it is, what,
2: what kind of game it is. It's a profession of perfection. Rick Lovato, thanks for joining us. And again, congratulations on the deal. Thank you very much, Dave. Appreciate it. Now we bring in from Seahawks.com, John Boyle, covering the football team there. Great start for the Seahawks. They're coming off their bye week. Their most recent game was a Monday night win against the San Francisco 49ers. They are rolling with the great quarterback play of Russell Wilson, a defense re-energized by end Jadavian and Clowney. They can beat you in a lot of ways. Just how good are they? Let's talk Behind Enemy Lines. Time now to go Behind Enemy Lines here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Dave Spadaro with you. Joined now by John Boyle, Seahawks.com reporter. John, I got to tell you, man, I am so impressed with Seattle. The way this team is put together, uh, the way you've bounced back, the way you've drafted, building around Russell Wilson, uh, who to me, I it, look, I, you see him every week. Is he not the best quarterback in the NFL right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're obviously going to be a little biased around here, but he sure seems to be when you look at, all the plays he makes, and then the thing that's always been so important to Pete Carroll is he takes care of the football. This is not a quarterback who takes unnecessary risks, but he still makes the big plays while throwing You know, just the two interceptions this year. He only had a handful last year as well, so yeah, it's, it's been a joy to watch him play the last few years, and he's taken it to an even higher level this year.
2: An 8-2 and two football team. Did you have kind of that vision that this team was going to be this good 10 games into the season way back in August?
0: It's hard to say. I mean, I thought they were going to be good. You know, a lot large reason for that was the quarterback we just mentioned. How they've gotten there surprises me. Um, I thought, you know, with with the play of linebackers like Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright, with the addition of Clowney, and they thought they were going to get more out of Ziggy Onsen at this point, I thought this team was going to lean more on its front seven and be a little more balanced offense to defense. Until this past game with the 49ers, The offense has really had to carry them a lot. The defense played great in the last game, and they're hoping that was kind of something that's going to jumpstart them. But the way they've won eight games, they hit so many close games. Just every week they're giving fans a heart attack. So I thought they were going to be a good team. Didn't necessarily see it playing out this way.
2: Let's talk about the offense because it certainly is more than Russell Wilson, although he makes everything go. Uh, When I look at the numbers and and have seen some of the games – and it's always kind of been a problem with Seattle running the ball consistently, but this year, Chris Carson averaging 4.3 yards per carry, 853 yards. Rashad Penny's done his part when he's gotten a chance. I mean, in addition to Russell Wilson bringing 256 yards to the ground, you're running the football. You seem like the offense is balanced. Am I accurate?
0: Yeah, and that's how they always want to be under Pete Carroll. There's a, there's a big dip in that going back to 2017 where the run game really struggled. The offense as a hold didn't function as well as they wanted, and they made a big commitment to getting back to it. Took a little bit last year to do it, but they kind of turned the corner midway through last season and ran the ball really well. Ended up leading the NFL in rushing last year, and they've to a degree picked up to where they left off. It hasn't been quite as consistent as they wanted. Um, there have been some fumble issues in the running game, which has been a big, big focus for Pete Carroll to clean up, but overall, yeah. They're, they're always going to come out and try to be balanced. Chris Carson, you know, minus the fumbles, he's having a fantastic season. So, they get the, get the fumble part cleaned up. They, they love what he's given them.
2: John, how's the offensive line performed? Because the Eagles' defensive line is strength of this group. Uh, how do you see that matchup?
0: They've been, you know, they've been solid. They, they would tell you that they've got room to improve. The pass protection started off a little shaky. They had, I want to say, twelve sacks in the first five games or four games, excuse me. And then they've they've improved in that area. You know, held up decently well against that San Francisco defensive line that's one of the best in the NFL. Um, so, the, you know, they, they're they missing center, uh, their starting center, Justin Britt, quite a bit. He's, he's one of their better linemen. But overall, I'd say that unit has been, you know, solid, if not quite as good as they think they can be.
2: At wide receiver, again, the way that this Seattle team has rebuilt that group very impressive dj dk metcalf comes in immediate impact five touchdown catches 17 yards a grab tyler lockett we know how crafty he is how explosive he is and then you go out and you get josh gordon who look against san francisco made a couple of really big catches how do you see that group in this game on sunday
0: yeah you know that was a big concern coming into the year with Doug Baldwin retiring. Everyone was worried, you know, who, who are the playmakers going to be? Tyler Lockett has just been phenomenal. And really that goes back to last year. He he kind of became their de facto number one receiver just because Baldwin was banged up for a lot of the season. And he's just been outstanding this year. As you mentioned, Metcalf has been, you know, as, as good, if not better, than anyone could have reasonably expected for a rookie. And, and, yeah, you, you know, Josh Gordon. Didn't do a lot in the last game because he had just joined the team and, and was still picking things up. But I think he could. You know, they're excited about him and think he could be a real factor. What he can add. So yeah, that group. You know, kind of an unheralded group around the league. Maybe don't have the big star power, but they've done a really good job of finding talent to play there.
2: Does DK Metcalf walk around the facility without a shirt on most of the time? Some of the time? <laughs>
0: Is no, no, not too often. But he he ought to. I, I hope I hope you've seen the video from the combine. Now. Oh yeah. Pete Carroll ripping his shirt off. Which yeah. <laughs> is a rather funny move. Is it as
2: impressive as? I mean, th- these mo- receivers aren't supposed to be built like that, that can run like that, and clearly, that can play like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he is physically a freak. What really struck me, he he did a jersey swap and exchanged photos with Julio Jones after that Falcons game, and he was noticeably bigger than Julio Jones, who is by no means a small receiver in this league. So. Uh, he's he 's just impressive physically, but I think what really has stood out to his teammates and coaches is how prepared he is as a rookie, kind of just the work ethic, his understanding of the game, which for a receiver is a lot of times a bigger deal coming into the league than than the physical stuff so they' I think that 's what 's really allowed him to thrive right away as much as any physical trades.
2: john we've obviously saw the Seahawks defense a few years ago, Super Bowl season for the Eagles two thousand and seventeen very fast playmakers. The personnel has changed quite a bit. Uh, certainly up front, it has changed. How has the defense played? Um, and then also comment, if you would, on Michael Kendricks, our old friend, and how he's fit into that defense.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll start with him. Just he, he's been really solid this year. They, you know, they brought him in last year because of some injury problems, and they they tweaked their. They wanted to get him on the field with Wright and Wagner, which they weren't all ever healthy together last year. So they played a ton of base defense in part to keep him on the field. These. He's made a lot of plays. He's, he has an interception. he's had a sack force fumble that was a huge play and a win a couple of weeks ago. So he's been a really nice addition to the team and, and just been a solid part of the defense. Overall, the defense, uh, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier, they've struggled a bit at times, given up a lot of yards, um, more points than they wanted. But I, they feel like they might have turned a corner this past week. You know, they they went out and added Quandre Diggs in a trade traded the Lions. He started for the first time last week. And Pete Carroll said he really noticed kind of an uptick in their safety play with him in there. Uh, but the pass rush was a real problem for a while. You know, as I said, they, they went out and that Clowney, they added Ziggy and and that group just wasn't getting it done the way they wanted for most of the season, but they, they really had a breakout game, got to Jimmy Garoppolo a ton. Clowney was pretty phenomenal in that game. So, if, if they can build off of that and rush to the passer even close to how they did, then I think this defense has a chance to be really good.
2: Yeah, the Clowney was just incredible in that game against the Niners. It's, it's such an interesting matchup on Sunday. The Eagles cannot afford another NFC loss. 5-5 five and five football team. Seattle has to come all the way across the country. How does Pete Carroll kind of counter the travel? Because it is not easy going from west to east.
0: It's not, and that used to be... Uh, Something that was, you know, way before Pete Carroll was there, that was always a big thing with this franchise of, oh, no, you know, that 10 a.m. kickoff going east. And for a long time, even, in, even when they're a really good team under Mike Holmgren, they struggled in those games, and that continued early in the Pete Carroll era. But they've, they've really handled those games well. They've already won three of them this year. I think they've won their last six 10 a.m. Low Pacific time kickoffs. So, you know, they Pete Carroll really feels good about the way this team travels now. They're 5-0 and on the road this season. You know, it, when they go east like this, they'll leave Friday, get in late Friday night, so they have the whole day Saturday to kind of adjust and get used to their surroundings and all that. So, you know, it used to be a big issue. And if you the if you just said they got flexed out of prime time to 10 a.m. a couple years ago, I'd have told you it might be a pretty big competitive disadvantage. But now they they feel really comfortable, you know, whenever and wherever they're playing.
2: Seattle Seahawks eight and two, Philadelphia Eagles five and five. The Eagles, of course, still trying to figure this thing out. It's been a a crazy year here, John. Lots of injuries. I know you've gone through that before, so uh should be a great one on Sunday. One final question. Has anything worked against Russell Wilson?
0: Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say any one thing that's worked. There's been, you know, he's out a few plays here and there, get away. I'd, I'd say, you know, this isn't just on Russell Wilson, but the style of player he is and really the, the offensive line strengths and weaknesses teams that can get the interior pressure have tended to over the course of his career been a little more difficult for him because he's so good at escaping when those guys come off the edge, spinning away all that. Whereas I think the teams that can collapse it in the middle tend to be a little more successful. And as I said, you know, the Seahawks are missing their starting center, Justin Britt. So, um, you know, it's it's tough to say any one thing that's going to get him. His numbers are great against the blitz. They're good against man coverage. It's good against zone coverage. So, you know, the kind of season he's having, there's, there's no one thing he can really point to.
2: The Seattle Seahawks 3-0 and at Lincoln Financial Field. Winners of four consecutive games against the Eagles. Five of the last six games. Coming to town on Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff. Lincoln Financial Field, John Boyle, Seahawks.com. Look forward to seeing you in the press box on Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me. Look forward to meeting you out in Philly. All
2: right, my man. Thanks so much. John Boyle, Seahawks.com. Time now to bring in the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Meryl Reese. Meryl, how are you? I'm well. Meryl, would, would you agree with us that that it, this has been I don't know frustrating this five and five season?
1: It's been uh, it's been peaks and valleys, puzzling. It's been a, a couple of devastating weeks back to back with Minnesota and Dallas, but on the other hand, the there's been uplifting times like the the bad weather game in Buffalo and then they backed that up beating a bears team pretty thoroughly here at the link. So, it's been uh, it's been up and down, but as Doug pointed out, last year at this time this team was 4 and 6. So, 5 and 5 is not putting them in a in an impossible situation. Understood, but nobody real I mean, I didn't think 5 and
2: 5. It's been it's been a jagged course to get to this point. Yes. Frustrating,
1: yeah. It, it, and it certainly, turns
2: around, certainly turns around quickly. If you well, beat,
1: beat the Seahawks on Sunday, you feel a whole lot better. See, it's funny. You go into a season and you have certain things in your mind. And I said at the time, at the beginning of training camp, that on paper, this roster is as talented as any in the National Football League. But games aren't played on paper. And you take somebody like the biggest play threat Deshaun Jackson out of the lineup, and things have a trickle-down effect. That happens. You have injuries. Here's Jordan Howard, who has been a tremendous addition to this football team. And he's been out for the past couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's it's been tough. So that's all the past. Let's talk about some, some things that I know fans, some hot-button topics here that I know fans are talking about. And obviously it starts with number 11. And... Is he holding on to the football too long? He admits that he has at times. Is he trying to do too much? He also admits that he's doing it. Merle, how does he get back to being the Carson Wentz that we know, or is it going to be very difficult to do that without a full complement of talented players around him who the Eagles thought would be out there?
1: No, I think he's going to have a game, and, and maybe it's this week where he really carries a team. Because the quarterback, unlike any other position, has the, has the job in which he can do that. And I think he's going to get hot, and I think he's going to have a big, big game, and you will see the best of Carson Wentz. He is too talented a quarterback not to return to that kind of form. Look, he went to Buffalo, and he played the gutsiest game and led them to a win in that game. And I thought he elevated everybody's level. In the worst conditions. And then he came back and did what he had to do to beat the Bears. Yes, he did not have his best game uh, in the past game. He he was not at his best against the Patriots. He had highlights. He had moments. He did some very good things, but he also made some mistakes. He still, other than the one fumble, he did not throw interceptions. And that's a positive.
2: He has not done the late game, lead the team down the field, win the game. How critical is that, do you think, as far as developing a quarterback, building around a quarterback, um, and believing in a quarterback?
1: See, I think it's important, but there it, it's more than the quarterback. It's the team. He threw a pass at the end of this game, late in this game, that could have tied it, and it was a very difficult catch. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But But receivers can come down with balls like that, and you look and you say, well, that quarterback led them on another amazing win. Uh, There was a a pass at the end of the Detroit game that could have resulted in a dramatic come from behind win. Atlanta game, same thing. The Atlanta game, the same thing. So it's not Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a gutsy, tough quarterback, made of the right stuff. He can come through in the clutch. I have no doubt about that. Merrill, this, this
2: offense, though, has been points challenged for most of the season. So we're going against here a big-time big, big time Seattle front, a fast linebacker group, a safety unit that has been
1: upgraded. How are the Eagles scoring points on Sunday? By being at their best in, in every department. I think the biggest challenge will be for the defense because you're playing possibly the MVP quarterback in Russell Wilson. We'll get to that, he's, for sure. He's amazing. Yep. But I think the Eagles can move against this team, and I don't think running the football is, is a bad idea. I think they can be run against. I, I, I've, let's have this conversation. I, I get into it all the time with Glenn Mack
2: now on the kickoff show with on radio. I, I'm a, I certainly believe you run the football, but I think to score points in this league, you have to have chunk plays. You have to have a big-time well, passing you have to game. have both. And the Eagles have just had trouble getting the ball down the field. Certainly understand why. But looking ahead here to Sunday, how do the Eagles get the ball down the field? Could J.J. Arthago Whiteside take those two catches from Sunday, one wiped out by
1: penalty, and use that as the kind of the catapult? Maybe. To being productive? I think he's going to get better. I, I think he's going to become more productive as the season goes on. Maybe Jay Ajayi comes in this week and makes a big difference. I know he hasn't played in a long time, but J.J. Ajayi, I mean, J.J. Ajayi, you have J.J. White Whiteside, you have J.J. Mm-hmm. Ajayi, but J.J. Ajayi is explosive. You know what he can do with the ball under his arm. So I think that, uh, that the Eagles have some weapons. Of course, you have the tight ends, and there were a couple of opportunities uh, for Nelson Aguilar, in the last game where he's in that open field. And if the ball is put there, Carson missed him a couple of times. It's a big play. Yeah. And certainly Nelson epitomizes this offense. At times he makes
2: leaping, spectacular catches. Yeah. And other times he doesn't bring down the, the routine pass. Inconsistency, Merrill, it's really, that's, that's the whole name of the game in the NFL, isn't it?
1: Sure. And, and then maybe, maybe you get Alshon Jeffrey, And Alshon Jeffrey hasn't played his best football this season, but he is capable of being a big play receiver. Let's talk about Russell Wilson. You mentioned him, virtuoso,
2: improvisational artist, has given the Eagles many, many fits. The Seahawks have won four straight games against the Eagles. All with Russell Wilson? Yeah. How do you stop Russell Wilson? First well, how
1: do you continue? Well you tackle him when he comes off the bus in the parking lot. <laughs> which I is Friday. They're <laughs> coming. They're, they're arriving oh, Friday. They're coming Friday. They're coming Friday. All right. it was a one o'clock kickoff sh- for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize they were coming Friday. Yeah,
2: which makes a big difference now Do you think that the, the old west coast to east coast thing with Seattle changed over the years here. And um Yeah, but they win. They win they whatever everywhere. time the game is. Yeah, they they're just a really good football team. So how do you
1: what what if you're Jim Schwartz, what are you doing? Well, you spy him, that's for sure. You have to spy Russell Wilson. You cannot let him do whatever he wants back there. You've got to tackle really well. I'm, my, my confidence is heightened by the fact that this secondary is playing so well that Fletcher Cox is back to 100%, that Timmy Jernigan is back in the lineup, and I think there's a very good chance that they'll have their best linebacker, Nigel Bradham, back this week. Meryl,
2: let's do another hot topic here, Uh, hot-button topic, wide receiver position. Did you not think coming into the season that this group was as good as you had seen in many, many years? Yes. Then you lose Deshaun. Then you lose Alshon. Matt Collins has not been productive. J.J. has not been productive. Nelson has been inconsistent. What's happening here? Well,
1: you know, I, I had a conversation with Jason Avant about that not too long ago. And he talked about the fact that when Deshaun is out there, he draws the number one defender. So he's out now, and instead of getting Alshon Jeffrey the number two defender, he now gets the number one defender, and Nelson Aguilar gets the number two defender. I mean, there's a whole effect of dominoes falling, so it makes it more difficult for each and every receiver. So it's it's a combination of things. I will say this. They have a very good offensive line, but then that offensive line was hurt last week when Vitae had to go in for Lane Johnson. You lose an all-pro right tackle in Lane Johnson, and I'm not pointing a finger as if to say that is not a good player, but he was rushed into the game and it was a big drop-off between what Lane Johnson had been giving them as part of this very cohesive unit and then Vitae coming in and trying to do the best he could.
2: Merrill, you sit with Doug Peterson during the week. I, I do as well. You start, and I'll, I'll follow. How would you describe describe how Doug uh,
1: kind of battles these these ups and downs, this kind of season? I could not respect a coach more than I respect Doug Peterson. He is the same guy, win or lose, and he always is motivating this team. He is always approachable, and I think he always has an intelligent approach. It's very easy to say, well, why did he get away from the running game, or what he should have run the ball more. Doug Peterson is the one looking at the defensive alignments and looking the film. He's not going to continue banging his head against the wall or the player's heads into a brick wall when They have more players in the box, or when he's going up against an airtight run defense, he'll run as much as he possibly can, as long as it's working. And then, of course, once you fall behind, you've got to pick up plays, and you're looking for dynamic play.
2: I would say Doug handles adversity better than any coach that I've been around. He doesn't change; relentlessly optimistic. Behind closed doors. He's very demanding. Yes, he is. He's very fair, expects maximum performance from his players. Uh, at the same time, he's disappointed at the way this season has gone. Five and five, nobody's sitting around here happy no, at
1: one Nova no. care way. And, and really, uh, this is the should have, could have, would have. But if if you look at it realistically, there are three games that this team should have won. They should have beaten Atlanta. They should have beaten Detroit. And the New England game was theirs to take. I agree. So, gosh, how does this team get that that edge back? Well, they get the edge back. The edge will come if they beat Seattle. If they beat a very good team, a team that comes in here 8-2, and they say send Seattle home with a loss... That's big. Yeah. You know, the Eagles haven't beaten Seattle in this city since 1989. I know. When somebody by the name of Quick caught passes for 140 yards and scored a touchdown. What is it? Why is it? I, I, there. Were, let's see, the
2: game out in the, at the Kingdome back in the 90s, I think the Eagles won that in overtime, right? Let me oh, look at no, this.
1: you're talking about the game... With the, the game that was, I think that was in the was that in the eighties. Might have been in the eighties. That was in actually. the eighties. My gosh, I'm aging myself. Here. I, I remember that. Yes. I, in fact, Rich Kotite, <laughs> Rich Kotite was the Eagles' coach because we were in Seattle, and I picked up a New York Times, and there was an article in the New York Times where Seth Joyner who was linebacking on that team, Seth Joyner made the statement in the New York Times that Rich Kotite was nothing but a puppet for the owner. <laughs> and so I'm reading it, and who steps on the bus and sits across from me by, but Seth Joyner. And I said to Seth Joyner, Seth, did you see this? And I held up the paper, and he said, yes, and I meant every word, but they they won that game not only in overtime, but they won that game on the very last second of overtime as time expires, and it was a long, frustrating afternoon, and as that Roger Ruzak kick sailed over the crossbar for the first time, I gave it it's good. It held on to the good for about 20 seconds. That's the first one? That was the first one.
2: The first, it's good. This is this is a big time moment, Merrill. We did not know this. Yes. That was December 13th, 1992. 92? 92. Wow. And well, so Roger, well, that was a tight.
1: So, Roger, well, how long was the field goal? Do you have any, any records? Something, nothing spectacular, something around 45 yards. What moved you to say, it's good? Actually, Stan Waters jumped up and stepped on my foot. No, he didn't. <laughs> did, no, he did No, didn't. no. Hey, it was just letting out the frustration and the the pent up emotion of a long afternoon. Now we know where history is made. That's where it was made. Meryl, but there's
2: also been, look at all these, these other crazy games against the Seahawks. So, for, uh, obviously, in 2017. Do you know who the
1: Seahawks quarterback was in uh, that David game? David Craig? No, I don't think so. I think it was Rick Myer. Oh. The Notre Dame product, but you might be right. Maybe I, it was I, you David could be Craig. right.
2: But, but the last four losses: December in 2011 in Seattle, 31-14. In Philadelphia in, two, in 2014, I remember this game. The Eagles in this game, 2014, lost 24-14. Great first half defense got after yep. Russell Wilson, and you just can't keep that guy yep. down. And then Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, that defense terrific. 2015, 45-17. Oh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong schedule. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> 2014, yeah, it lost. Yeah, 2016, it lost 26-15, and then, of course, in was 2000. Was that here? That was in Seattle.
1: Okay, which was the last one The last here? one here was
2: 24-14-2014. That was the uh, Chip Kelly team. They started really well, and then I just, I remember watching Seattle's sideline going, that's a, that's the way you want your sideline. They were so together. They were so emotional. They had just come off winning the Super Bowl. They went back to the Super Bowl that year. They lost to New England at the goal line.
1: That's what I remember about that is they brought a visitor up to the broadcast booth to say hello. Uh, and I stopped out of the booth for 90 seconds uh, on a commercial break before the game began. And I looked, and it was Rory McElroy. <laughs> and Justin Verlander which is like your complete uh, yeah. I didn't even know who Justin yeah. Verlander is but it was Rory McIlroy <laughs> and I was like oh, you want to see the picture? God. I still have it. I'm sure I do. Is the <laughs> be- most beaming
2: Merrill Reese smile you, you could possibly have Rory other than when the Eagles won the Super Bowl well Meryl, how did the Eagles win
1: this game? Let's, let's, let's wrap it up right here give me a blueprint to victory blueprint to victory. They run the football with success Carson Wentz Has his sharpest game. They come up with a big play here and there. They take a lead, and the defense plays the way it did last week, plus contains Russell Wilson with a spy. They have to do that. Brady doesn't move, but Russell Wilson moves. If they can contain Russell Wilson, they can beat the Seahawks. Merle Reese, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Have a great broadcast on Sunday. That will
2: do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast. Make sure you're with us on Sunday. We've got you covered from start to finish as the Eagles take on the Seahawks starting at 12.30 with the kickoff show presented by Exalta. We've got you covered during the game and then post-game, the post-game show presented by Rico. Also, shortly after the game, we'll have the instant reaction from the locker room. Our Eagles Insider Podcast continues. This is a crucial game. The Eagles already have four losses in the conference. They really can't afford another one. Thanks so much to Peter Kelly and to Trevor Hayes for putting it all together. We thank you for joining us each and every week. And make sure you rate us. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you provide feedback. We love to read it. We love to hear from you as we expand our Eagles Insider podcast presentations. I'm Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles Day. And fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!